Before we start this episode, I would like to tell you about Crop Tops. Crop Tops is an apparel company creating funny parody t-shirts with your favorite Disney and video game characters. Visit croptops.com to purchase your very own light and comfortable gym shirt. Use code EATRIGHT at checkout, E-A-T-R-I-T-E, and save 10%. That's croptops.com, K-R-O-P-P-T-O-P-S.com. Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today, we're talking Strength Training 101. Boss lady. What's up, Big Cito? Ready to talk about strength training? Yes, my favorite subject. I feel like four episodes you've said it's your favorite subject. I think from the very beginning, I probably have said it in every episode. I love strength training. This favorite is my subject. favorite subject. I just love everything. <laughs> Life unicorns is so great. I love it. Everywhere. Unicorns, rainbow farts. <laughs> strength training is phenomenal and strength training is important. It is. Change my life. Change your life. Absolutely. So can we talk about how strength training has changed our lives? Yeah. Well, we know how it's changed your life, bodybuilder man. Yeah, but I think beyond the bodybuilding, it's the the dedication, the discipline, the mm -hmm. just not even bodybuilding, just, you know, being able to stick to a program, the confidence that I've built coming from a mm -hmm. 125 pound soaking wet man boy <laughs> teenager boy man teenager <laughs> to a you know at one point 240 pound and then you know like a four percent 190 pound mm -hmm. you know the confidence and the skills that i learned from following a training program and being consistent with that and then you know leading into we've talked about this putting that into my studies, mm -hmm. putting that into the business and, mm -hmm. you know, all other things in life and just kind of taking things with which what we will talk about the time, consistency and patience that you put into your training mm -hmm. that you learn to adapt and put those things into your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I've said it so many times. It's literally my therapy. You can go into the gym feeling one way, or at least for me, it's this way. I go in feeling one way, I lift, I come out feeling like a completely different person. So from a mindset standpoint, it has literally been the thing, the one staple in my life that has kept my my mindset consistent. Like I always feel better when I come out. It's good stuff. Mm -hmm. So let's get into strength training. Okay. Where are we starting? Where are we starting? Where are we starting? We're starting in Harvard Yard. <laughs> I parked my car there, so that's a good place to start. Okay, so <laughs> so let's talk about creating goals and commitment because, Nicole, you talked about, you know, getting the commitment first up front mm -hmm. and talking about what are your goals and how much time are you willing to commit to the program? Yeah, that's something that I usually start, like when you get a client that comes in and, you know, wants to start strength training or they just want to change up their program. One of the first questions I ask them is like, what's your time commitment? 
like how much time are you willing to come? How many days a week? How much time each time you're in the gym? Like just to get an idea of how to structure a program that's going to fit into a lifestyle that they'll actually consistently stick to. All right. All so, right. you know, you kind of set a timeline and, you know, to me, the timeline is should be or can evolve into a long term timeline. Once you start seeing those results and you start getting motivated to continue to go. Mm-hmm. And the timeline you initially set is, I, I would say, like three months at a time. Mm-hmm. Right. Just like three a nutrition program. Months. Just yeah. like a nutrition program. Right. OK, cool. I'm going to commit to three months of this. And then from there, we're going to see where we're at and reevaluate and reassess. Mm-hmm. And we'll take it a step further if we need to. Yeah. Or when we need to. When we need to. Yep. So let's talk about differences in frequency of training, where you're at. So I think it's important to talk about where you're at in your training Mm -hmm. is going to determine your frequency and what type of training you're doing, whether you're doing total body workouts, you're doing push pull, you're doing lower body, you're doing uh, split routine. So where are we at with that, Nicole? So if you're starting as a beginner, intermediate or advanced. So if you're a beginner, which means you'd be someone that has either never lifted before or has just started maybe a couple months into getting into the gym intermediate I would say maybe one to three years of training consistently and then advanced maybe three three plus years so you've been pretty consistent in the gym and you've done different types of training um, frequencies or cycles would be where I would kind of start people off in terms of categories of of where they're starting and then so depending on your commitment to coming into the gym, how many days a beginner would be anywhere from two to three times a week an intermediate, maybe through maybe two to four. And then advanced would be like five to six days a week. And then there would be different training splits. So yeah, like you just mentioned. So the beginners, beginners, beginners would do typically a full body workout. Mm-hmm. Uh, so two to three times a week, total body. I would say you need a minimum of, you can't just work out one day a week. It's not going to No, be. which is why I, you know, when we talk about beginners and you have someone that just, if you're just getting started in the gym, you know, the two to two days a week is like, to me is the minimum. I mean, my, my goal. Yeah. My goal is three times a week. Yeah, for sure. So two to three days a week of total body. So you're training your legs, you're training your upper body, you're doing push exercises, you're doing pull exercises, you're doing lower body intermediate we run into two three maybe four days a week of doing push days pull days and full body days or you can do a lower body day and you can do two push pull days or you can Mm -hmm. do a lower body day two push pull days and a full body day Mm -hmm. so you can kind of split it up like that and then the advanced training you're talking about somebody who's going to be training, who's who's a, a trained athlete or a trained individual who's going to be training about five to six days a week. They can be doing split body parts. And by that, we mean splitting up muscle groups. So chest, back, legs. Yep. Shoulders. Shoulders, buys, tries, and mm-hmm. focusing on those things. And one thing that I want to touch up on is a lot of people will say, is this working my arms? And they mean... Is this working my upper body? And they're saying Mm -hmm. arms. And then the other thing is when people want to jump in that beginner phase to training their arms, a lot of your push-pull exercises, right? You're doing a bench press. You're incorporating your triceps. You're doing a a pull-down or a pull-up. 
you're incorporating your biceps. So mm -hmm. in that beginner phase, I tend to not program arms, biceps, triceps, curls, extensions, things like that. Right. Isolated. I tend to say, hey, you know what? Those are being worked and they're going to grow and develop because you're in the beginner stage. The little bit of stimulus that you're getting, you're actually getting a lot of stimulus with them yeah. doing your push and pull. So we're not going to isolate them just yet. And the other thing is with training just all together, regardless of what stage you're in, you're going to typically want to do compound movements and then isolation towards the end of your workout. So compound movements beginning in your workout. So things like squats, deadlifts, mm -hmm. bench press, all the movements that are multiple different body parts at once. Mm -hmm. uh, or you can think of it as multi-joint versus single joint. Right. Mm -hmm. So, for example, a multi joint, I'll bring back to the bench press, right? You're pushing and you're using your elbow joint. You're also moving your shoulder joint. Mm -hmm. So, with that, you want to do the multi joint exercises first. And then, if you're doing, you know, those biceps, triceps, single joints, hinge, jo hinge joints, when you're where you're doing like a bicep curl or tricep extension and really only one joint is involved, mm -hmm. right? Extension at the elbow. That's where that's going to come in towards the end of the workout. I will say that in advanced, in more advanced strategies, I have done pre-exhaustion as a bodybuilder, pre-exhaustion with single joint or isolation exercises like mm -hmm. legs. Perfect example. I'll do leg extensions and leg curls, fatigue the shit out of my legs yeah, and then, and then go it. into and then go into squats. Right. And I will say the pump is phenomenal. Yes. I tend to isolate and then integrate for my legs and then the opposite for my upper body, just simply because I love doing legs more than I love doing upper body. <laughs> and I can also tolerate soreness in my lower body way more than in my upper body. And the other thing that I want to touch up on is in any program, any specific body parts that you want to work on, I like to front load them in the beginning of the week after a rest day. Yeah. Not necessarily in the beginning of the week. Does If you take a, a day off or two days off in the middle of the week, you're fresh for that muscle group and it's fully recovered and, and you're like, all right, cool. I can focus on this. Mm -hmm. So you tend to program if you say, hey, I want to really build my back or I want to build my legs. I would want to load the specific weak points mm -hmm. after a rest day. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do, you know, a day of push, a day of pull. And then lower body, if my legs are lagging, I'd want to move that leg workout and relocate it to like the, beginning. the beginning. And then also keeping in mind that different muscle groups that maybe are lagging, you can try to program them in multiple days a week. Mm -hmm. Right. So you train everything once a week and then, you know, lower body, you know, for me, it was always a weak point bodybuilding. I would train it twice a week. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I will say about training it twice a week, and this is an interesting thought is we talk about uh, muscle, muscle protein synthesis mm -hmm. and muscle protein synthesis seems to go up within a anywhere from a 36 hour to 48 hour period after training. So mm -hmm. what that means is your body can syn synthesize new proteins or new muscle more efficiently, right? Muscle yep. protein synthesis goes up so you can build more muscle as long as you create the right environment in terms of nutrition you can build more muscle within that 36 to 48 hour period after a workout, and then it'll start to taper down. So it would make sense that those weaker body parts, if you train them multiple times per week, yeah, you have more of an increased muscle protein synthesis 
throughout the entire week versus just 48 hours during the week. And then the following week you're hitting it again. Yeah. That's why for females, my females, we do legs or booty specifically at least three times a week. If you're trying to get stronger in the lower body glutes specific. And that's the other thing too. So the, the booty training programs where, Hey, Mm -hmm. I want to build a butt, which has become a trend over like the last, I don't know, eight years. Yeah. That's something that just like you said, same principle. Mm-hmm. You want to you want to hit that multiple times in the week. I don't think that there's anything else outside of butt training <laughs> that or glutes. I'll call it. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else outside of glutes that I typically recommend train training three times a week. No, lower bodies specifically glutes for the females, but even lower body in general. I definitely have my my females do three times a week or hit them more. Uh, specifically, uh, shoulders is the other one that I like to do more than once a week. Just because I love to work my shoulders. Also, glute training is important for working your for hinge so pa- many yeah your hinge pattern right because that's important for your squats, your deadlifts, right, uh, which are your major movements. And I do want to touch up on those squats and deadlifts should be staples in a program. Mm-hmm. And if we talk about it from a movement perspective, mm-hmm. uh, the types of movements that we want to be able to integrate into our program are obviously push and pull that we talked about. We want to do mm-hmm. overhead presses. We want to do, you know, chest presses. We want to do pull downs. We want to do vertical and horizontal pulls. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like a lat pull down or a seated cable row, we want to incorporate different angles with your back. Yeah. Essentially and hand grips. Yeah. And different hand grips, underhand, overhand, or supinated, pronated, however you want to look at it mm-hmm. or, or talk about it. Uh, you want to do squatting. You want to do hinging mm-hmm. typically every week. You want to do some type of a lunge pattern, mm-hmm. whether it be a, for, a forward lunge, a reverse lunge, a lateral lunge. I typically don't like lateral lunges. I don't think that you can load a lateral lunge like you can a forward lunge or a reverse lunge. So I tend to not program in them as much, but that's pretty much it for that. Now, Nicole, let's get into programming, mm-hmm. the actual act of programming and where to start a program, right? It obviously depends on where you're at in your training phase, yep, where you're starting. If you're a beginner, I would typically say linear periodization, which yep. That's something that we talked about with Pat, Pat, with the military training. We talked about linear periodization versus undulating periodization. To me, undulating periodization is more of an advanced strategy yep. for the demographic of clients that we're working with. Mm-hmm. The linear periodization is essentially endurance, hypertrophy, strength, and power. Mm-hmm. So it's linear in the sense that you're going through those phases and progressing just in a straight path. Right. So with endurance training, if you're a beginner, beginner, the first thing you want to do, ideally what some of the research would suggest, and this isn't completely decided, right? There's multiple different ways to take, to take things and and there's different angles and approaches that you can take to programming. Mm -hmm. But I do like the linear periodization for beginner clients. Yeah. And I do like to start with the endurance because mm-hmm. it's essentially building muscular endurance. And how do you do that? You are doing higher repetitions. Yeah. So like 13 and above reps, yep. maybe 15 to 20 rep ranges, building that muscular endurance. You're not going to get tired when you go into your lower rep ranges. Yeah. It's kind of like the anti-fatigue programming. Yeah. And a lot of beginners that like if you've come from, I shouldn't say if you've never lifted before, 
obviously endurance is your first place to start, but I was thinking kind of uh, more from like a group X standpoint, like a lot of clientele that I get are transitioning from group X classes that they've been taking. And a lot of group X classes are endurance based. And so they come up stairs and they start to work with a trainer and we start them in the endurance phase just to see where they're at, how they feel or, you know, what their form is like, have they been doing the exercises correctly. And since they're usually pretty comfortable and if they've been doing a lot of classes, they feel like they've got, you know, they feel very confident when you start them in that phase. And then you can move them through that pretty quickly. How long do you do your, um, how many weeks do you tend to stay in each of the phases when you program? Well, just programming in general, I do four week blocks. Yeah. And I then do. I kind of, I kind of see where they're at and I reassess where they're at. So anywhere mm-hmm. from four to six weeks, depending on the client and their progression, yeah. if there's some type of movement pattern dysfunction, mm-hmm. they're going to take a little bit longer because they're going to yeah. have to relearn the the movement pattern. And that's an important thing to note is that you have to train your brain to be able to move your body in a certain way. If you've never really trained before. Yeah. Right. If you're somebody who has been sitting at a desk for a while and just decided, you know what, New Year's resolution, I'm going to go to the gym or, you know, COVID just ended. Life is crazy. I want to start getting healthy mm-hmm. and, and I want to start focusing on my fitness because I know that that's good for building my immune system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you decide you want to get to the gym now. Uh, the movement patterns are going to be super important. Yeah. Right. Being able to hinge at the hip without rolling your back. Yeah being able to efficiently squat and come all the way down without coming up on your toes, mm-hmm. without moving your toes outwards and just, you know, being able to, that's neurological or, or neuro neuromuscular connection. Yeah. Right. And being able to train that. So the endurance phase, depending on where they're at in terms of their movement pattern, that's going to determine how quickly we get through that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's going to be, you know, typically for me, 15 to 20 reps, anything mm-hmm. above 12. The hypertrophy phase is hypertrophy is defined as just building muscle, right? That's the phase where you're building lean muscle mass. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be anywhere from eight to 12 reps, typically. Mm -hmm. Now, as a bodybuilder, I've done things that were kind of away from that science of those rep ranges. And I've done a lot of pyramids. Mm -hmm. And I, I think pyramids were a staple all throughout, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years of bodybuilding. Yeah, it was. 12, 10, 8, 6, which 6 would technically be considered in strength. Strength, yep. But uh, that seemed to be what worked for me. And then it was 12 reps on the first, 8 reps on the second, increase the weight, or, or 10 reps, increase the weight, 8 reps, increase the weight, and then 6 reps, and that would be my heaviest. And then maybe sometimes I'd do like a 4 and a 2 or something. Mm-hmm. So then you have your strength phase, which is 5 to 8. And then you've got your power which is one to five. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that's where you start getting into your max lifts, right? Where you're doing a deadlift and you're trying to max out and seeing, okay, how much weight can I lift? You're taking longer rest periods during your power phase. And once you've been through all of those, I mean, they're interchangeable. You can take steps back or steps forward at any point, depending on what you want to do and what your goal is and how your body is responding. You can go back to hypertrophy. You can go back to strength. Mm -hmm. Then we get into the undulating which undulating periodization, Nicole, you want to jump into that? Well, so linear has phases where it's a, a long, a longer period. So for you said four to six weeks that you keep your, your clients there in each of the phases undulating basically means that you can kind of up and down. You could do one day of um, endurance, one day of strength, one day of power within a week of training versus a couple of weeks or a month of training. 
Yeah. And, you know, we've also got things like we've got power building where you're like, cool, I'm doing powerlifting, but I'm also doing bodybuilding. Right. A combination. You're kind of fusing the two, right? So there's multiple approaches that you can take in terms of how to program your workouts. Really, it's what works best for you and and what, look, we say this time and time again, what are you going to adhere to? Yeah. What kind of I also think a lot of that type of those type of blended programs are if you've been in when we talk from an advanced standpoint, if you've been through all the phases of training over and over and over and over again, it does get kind of boring. And so to kind of mix things up and keep things fresh and, you know, push your body in different ways, you can blend programs like that together. People do it all the time. Listen, the power building thing, I definitely did for drop sets. You got you know, they're uh, supersets. Like there's so many different ways to stimulate uh, within a program itself. Yeah. Like I was saying, the power, the power building, I think I did that and it was super beneficial because I was doing one rep maxes and I was getting a lot stronger. And then my hypertrophy, I was stronger while I was doing my hypertrophy. So I was lifting heavier weight for more reps. Yeah. which is That's the concept of progressive overload. Right. Because something that you want to be, that's how I've always trained. Progressive mm-hmm. overload, which is gradually increasing weight, frequency, or number of reps in your strength training routine over time. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing, let's say, 12 reps of something, I want to be able to do those 12 reps heavier and heavier over time. That's how I know that I'm progressing in my program. Yep. Or I want to be able to do a heavier weight, which is basically the same thing that I just said, but the inverse, right? If I want to do a heavier weight, I want to do it, be able to do it for more reps. Yeah. I want my one rep max to eventually become my five rep max. Right. Right. So progressive overload is something that you want to think of. You want to be able to progressively overload in either reps, frequency, weight. Those are the things that you want to focus on. Yeah. You, I mean, ideally, the goal is to get stronger. So and I think what tends to happen just because we're with this episode being about like training programs if you get to a place where you are not progressively overloading, like you've kind of hit a wall and you can't, um, plateaued. yeah, you've plateaued. That's a time to mix up your program and try something different. And it's also important to note that plateaus happen. Strength plateaus yeah, happen. Of course. Building muscle ha- and the, uh, from the bu- building muscle piece, I want to stress, that, and this goes for the women too. Like, Hey, I want to get toned. We talk about that all the time. Like, Hey, I want to get toned. Okay. Well, you want to build muscle, losing weight, believe it or not, Losing body fat happens a lot faster than building muscle. <laughs> yes. And it's building muscle is that time consistency and patience and playing the long game and mm-hmm. being consistent every single day or every single workout or every single week or month to month. Right. And I understand, you know, Dave and I spoke about this in that Instagram that post that we did. Mm-hmm. We talked about you're going to have some weeks where you just don't want to do it, but the cumulative effect of Mm -hmm. being consistent year over year. Like, yeah, did you have a month where maybe you regressed? Yeah, absolutely. Being consistent over years of time is what's going to build muscle. Mm -hmm. Not being consistent over a week, a day, a month, two months, right? And that goes back to, Nicole, where you say, like, what is your commitment to your goals and your program? Mm -hmm. Because you have to be ready for some kind of a commitment. Yeah, and it may change. Like, I talk about this so much. So... You come into the gym, you make a commitment. I'm going to come in three days. I'm going to start off with that total, bo- those total body workouts. I'm just going to get in. I'm going to commit to that. And we can talk about the nutrition piece 
throughout these phases as well. But you get going, you do commit, you commit to the three times a week, you do that, say even six months, like you go the long game, you just you're like, listen, I'm just going to commit to this, I'm going to feel good, I'm going to progressively overload within this type of program and see how I do see what the changes are in your body, see how you're feeling, document your progress, take your progress pictures, do your measurements, etc. Then you start to, you know, shift into more of an intermediate type program, you're shifting to push and pull up or lower, whatever the combination is. And you do that for another six months, that's a whole year of training that you just got under your belt. And the sky's the limit. There's so many things that you can do as you grow and develop and get stronger. Um, And this is why I love focusing on performance goals rather than weight loss and, you know, really just narrowing in on scale weight and things like that. Because over time, if you go back, like, do you keep a, um, do you ever journal your, your, um, your progress drone? Like, do you ever write down like what your bench press is, what your deadlift is? You know, it's it's interesting that you say that because I have clients that need to do that to to log and journal and and Mm -hmm. I will keep track of it for my clients sometimes, Mm -hmm. but it's all up here. It's in my head. I'm, I memorize, you know, I know, I know what, I mean, I've lifted so much. I know what my all time max reps were for every lift and I know where I'm at. I know what I did the previous week. I don't need to write it down. I'm, I just. Mm -hmm. I'm at a point where it just flows and I'm like, all right, cool. This is what I did last week. I know people that walk around with their notebooks mm-hmm. um, and it, that it's would useful, be me. <laughs> right? And it's useful and it's helpful for me. It's been, I have my program, mm-hmm. which used to be on paper. Now it's in my phone, mm-hmm. but I have my program and I just need to know what exercises I'm doing. Yeah. See, I'm a lit. I, I agree. And I think it's great. If you're someone that gets it and remembers it in your head, you're better than I am because I <laughs> definitely forget from week to week. I'm like, what did I do? Um, so I like to write it down. But one of the things that I've loved is that when you write it down, if you're a dork like me and you go back, I'll go back like six months in my notebook and look at where I started a certain exercise or a certain phase of training. And then they compare it to where I am, you know, whatever day I'm in the gym. And I'm always so like, I'm proud of myself. You, you get a sense of really great sense of empowerment to be like, wow, I started off with a shoulder press at this weight. Now I'm doing shoulder press here. Or I'm doing more reps or, you know, whatever type of changes I've made to the program. I, and I, I love that. I would agree with the fact that if you see it in front of you, like sometimes mm-hmm. when you're hard on yourself and you're like, oh man, yeah. I'm not progressing. I'm not doing it quick enough. And then you see where you were and you see where you are mm-hmm. right in front of you. You know, it's easy to let that get away from you and, and think like, oh man, like I'm, I'm plateaued now. I'm not getting results. And it's like, but look at all the results you've just gotten. Yeah. Or time frame. Like that's the other thing. Like if I look at if it took me six weeks to get to a certain place in, I don't know, pull ups. I'll talk about pull ups because I have always I've always been I always try to work harder to get more pull ups. Right. So I'm at like eight pull ups now. When I started at one, that was like, you know, six months ago. And then in three months, I went from three reps to six reps. And then, you know what I mean? So you look at your time frame of how you built and I always think, oh, my God, it's been forever. I'm still at eight reps. I can't get past eight reps. And then I go back and look at my notebook. It's really only been like 12 weeks. And now I could do eight reps. I'm like, that's yeah. really not that long. <laughs> well, 12, 12 weeks for a beginner client seems like forever. Right. Well, right. even if you're tra- like, whatever the goal is. It's like I always say, 12 weeks for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the other thing I do want to touch up on, which is kind of a side note to what we're saying. I want to go back to the beginner 
the the beginner what do i want to call them the beginner worker outer the beginner <laughs> the, the beginner person that that is you know just coming in the gym and i, I want it i see this often you're not doing a strength training program if you're just going in willy-nilly and not pushing yourself mm-hmm. and this is what i tell clients all the time because you and i talked on the last episode about metabolic adaptations mm-hmm. and it's not just about metabolic adaptations there's also musculoskeletal adaptations Mm-hmm. and your body, your body's survival mechanisms are all about adaptations. So I look at it from this perspective, right? Survival mechanisms for muscular adaptations. In the last episode, you and I talked about uh, the slowing down metabolism because you're not putting enough, you're not putting enough energy into the system. Mm-hmm. So things kind of start to slow down. That's a survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. Now, the other survival mechanism from a training standpoint is yeah. if you think about it, and I'm going to go back to this evolutionary perspective because it's how we evolved. It's how our bodies work and function. If you can't lift a bar over your head and you're struggling with it and it's so hard, your body has no choice but to say, if I can't lift this the next time, I'm not going to, I may, it may be a situation where I may not survive. So I need to build stronger. Mm-hmm. And that is strength training to me. Mm-hmm. That is you're pushing yourself past your own body's limits so it forces your body to grow and develop stronger right raise the bar right and what i see oftentimes and i've seen this with clients and they they it's hard sometimes for people to wrap their head around this that if you're just going through and you're standing there and you're doing you know right now or you lift the same weight for your weight exercise every single time not hard and if you're not struggling with like the last two or three or four reps whatever it is right you say two right you have the thing of the two right if you're not struggling with those last two reps guess what your body has zero reason to change and adapt you are not going to build muscle doing that yeah it's not happening a good you can forget about it you might as well cancel your gym membership because it's not working for you (laughs) i'm serious though that's that's the truth Mm -hmm. so well that speaks to so many, so many clients that go in, do the same workout, the same machines, or this just the same circuit of exercises, and they never change their weights. Now, maybe they're just happy to come in and work out and feel a little bit of a burn. And that's what they like to stay with. I mean, that's okay, too. But ultimately, if you're looking to change your physique, you need to push yourself past your normal limits. You have to give your body a reason to change. Yeah. And if it's not hard, your body doesn't need to change because it doesn't need to survive. It can survive doing what you're doing. Yeah. Let's talk about nutrition. Let's talk about food. Okay. So like, let's talk about pre and post workout. Like a lot of people ask this question. Let me start here. A lot of people ask the question. So what should I, so, okay, now I have my program and I have my four day split or I have my, you know, progressive overload down. What do I eat before I work out? And what do I eat after I work out? How does that all come together? Well, the most important thing that we talk about before nutrient timing is we talk about your calories first. Mm -hmm. Then we talk about your protein intake. Then we talk Mm -hmm. about your other macros, your fat and your carbs. Mm -hmm. And then we get into nutrient timing Mm -hmm. in order of importance. Yes. So the The first thing is fat loss hierarchy, the fat loss hierarchy or the, you know, the strength hierarchy. Mm -hmm. However you want to look at it. It's important for both in the same order. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about you're trying to get stronger. Nicole, what do you need to do to try to get stronger in terms of uh, from a caloric standpoint? You have to be in a caloric surplus. So what does a caloric surplus look like? That means you have to eat above your maintenance, which so if someone's maintenance calories are 2000, 
to maintain where you are currently at, then I usually do like a 10 to 20% increase. For so surplus. 10% you're looking at 2,200 calories. Yeah. So small enough that you can eat a little bit above your maintenance to have a little bit more energy to be able to push through the heavier workouts to be able to build muscle without gaining without gaining the fat fat right so you don't want to be in too big of a surplus and mm-hmm. i think for men they don't get sometimes get that and i've fallen into that trap too like i just gotta eat 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 right and then you put <laughs> yeah and then the problem is if you're over consuming calories especially if you're over consuming carbohydrates you become insulin resistant and if you're insulin resistant you can't build muscle you will plateau you yeah. will continuously put on fat without putting on muscle yeah we'll so put you on have very to- little muscle track your progress. And then as you build muscle, keep in mind that you're raising your resting metabolic rate and your maintenance will change. Therefore, your surplus is also going to change. So the more you progress, the more work you have to put into it, the more energy you have to put into the system, the heavier the weight you have to lift. Again, going back to that progressive overload Mm -hmm. and all those variables are going to change over time. So it's things that you need to constantly play around with in order to achieve the long-term goal that you want. Yeah. And then we, you and I get into, then we get into protein, mm-hmm. which you want to make sure that you're getting adequate protein, which as a rule of thumb, just to throw it out there, I'll say one gram per pound of body weight or mm-hmm. anywhere from 1.2 to 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight. Mm-hmm. Um, that's around the range that you want to be in getting adequate protein. If you're not eating an adequate protein, muscle is made of protein, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're not eating protein, you're not going to build any muscle. Yeah. And so many people, like I talk about it from an energy standpoint, just feeling good in your workouts, making sure you have adequate protein from a satiety standpoint and an energy standpoint. Yeah. You'll definitely feel better with, with adequate protein. And then we get into carbs and fat, Mm -hmm. which, you know, if you're not somebody that wants to get too crazy about tracking, just, you know, fill in the rest of your calories with carbs and fat. Yeah. Whatever you're Um, the most comfortable with. Like we talked about with Bill Campbell mm-hmm. or I'll say, you know, my ideal starting point is 40, 30, 30 mm-hmm. for strength. And now I can do this one of two different ways and it really depends on the person and how they respond. But optimal for me, from what I've seen for most people, not all people would be 40% carbs, 30% protein, 30% fat mm-hmm. or 40% protein, 30% carbs, 30% fat. Yeah. Just start there right? as a baseline and then you can adjust. Yep. And then we get into the nutrient timing piece, which that's what you brought up. Mm -hmm. So let's get into what we should be looking for pre-workout and post-workout. Yeah, this is a big question people ask us all the time. So what are your recommendations for pre-workout? Pre-workout, I like to just say eat a balanced meal. Mm -hmm. I like to say, depending on how close it is to your workout, Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit less fiber. Mm Mm-hmm because then that might upset your stomach during your workout. But, you know, just as a baseline, eat something an hour to two hours Mm pre-workout, depending on who you are. Like I was always somebody that I'm like, I got to eat something an hour before my workout. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then it's interesting, post-workout, depending on what your nutrient status was before your workout Mm -hmm. is really going to depend on that. That's going to dictate your post-workout, right? And the reason why I say that is the um, the post-workout recovery and, you know, there was always that kind of quote unquote window of yeah. opportunity, that 45 minute window of opportunity. So there were a few studies that there was a decent amount of studies that suggested that 
post-workout protein should be consumed within 45 minute window. Otherwise that window closes Mm -hmm. because your muscle protein synthesis goes down. But like Mm -hmm. we said before is you actually have a 36 to 48 hour window yeah, where muscle protein synthesis is elevated. And the highest peak of that elevation actually seems to be like three hours after your workout. Right. I was going to say you have up to like two to three hours. So you've got like two or three, like anywhere from two to four hours to to eat post-workout. But if you Mm -hmm. didn't eat something before your workout, then you definitely want to eat something closer to the end of your workout. So within that 45 minute to an hour period, if you did eat something before your workout and you had protein, you still have those amino acids floating through your your body or floating through your bloodstream, then it's not going to be as important to get it right after your workout. You can wait until your next meal and then just just have your next meal at that point. Yeah, Um, I think people get caught up in that too much, especially like when we talk about from a beginner standpoint, even intermediates. I would say just focus on your meals, focus on quality. And then as you get more into the advanced level, timing would be something you would want to pay more attention to. Yeah, absolutely. Focus on the the quantity of protein that you're getting. Now, the studies initially, I do want to say that the studies that said that there was a 45 minute window and that was it. And then the window closes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they did was they, they said, hey, like, you know, over periods of time, um, this group built more muscle, more lean muscle mass, right? More pounds of lean muscle mass. And what the the flaw in those studies were when it was reviewed later on, there was a big meta-analysis. And then there was like a meta-analysis that came after the meta-analysis that <laughs> kind of reconcluded that, hey, you guys didn't really account for total protein intake. And what actually happened was they weren't building more lean mass than the group that wasn't consuming protein within that 45-minute window. What actually happened was that just increased their total daily protein intake. Right. And that was the factor that, you know, the next study that came, the next analysis that came that kind of criticized that first analysis, uh, they came back and they they said it's likely that it's because of the total protein intake. So what's more important is your total protein intake than your post-workout. And the other things I want to mention is, you know, there's a couple of schools of thought with post-workout nutrition and I think this is becoming like a post-workout, like a, like a nutrient timing (laughs) episode at this point, uh, with post-workout nutrition, there's, uh, you know, carbohydrates and should you have carbohydrates and because of insulin, is that going to make you more anabolic? And what I'm seeing from recent studies that I've read is that carbohydrates have more of an anti-catabolic effect than mm-hmm. an anabolic effect and protein has more of it, that, that anabolic effect. That's going to, you know, you increase muscle, muscle protein synthesis, then you have protein and you build lean mass. The carbohydrate post-workout is going to somewhat prevent you from further breaking down muscle because during a workout, what are you doing? You're breaking down muscle after a workout, mm-hmm. you need to recover. Mm-hmm. Now, Nicole, you know, my stance on this, I'm not really sure if your goal is building muscle and hypertrophy. And I'd like to see this studied kind of inconclusive, but there's kind of a theory thrown around there that growth hormone is more important than insulin. And if you mm-hmm. increase growth hormone, that increases muscle protein synthesis. How do you increase growth hormone? You increase it through lifting weights. Yep. And then if you're consuming, you know, large amounts of carbohydrates after your workout, you might be blunting the release of growth hormone. Just a thought, just a theory still mm-hmm. yet to be seen. Uh, but, you know, I, I haven't seen it in research. I'd, I'd love to see it. Uh, But really the biggest thing is the most, most, most important things from a nutritional standpoint from recovery is your calories, your calorie surplus, 10, 15, 20% above maintenance Mm -hmm. and your 
protein, your total protein intake, which yeah. like we said, should be 1.2 to 1.6 kilograms per kilogram of body weight, or just to make it easy as a general rule of thumb, a gram of protein per pound of body weight. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm done with my rant. You, that was a good rant. The other things that we want to talk about in terms of recovery from resistance training are obviously street sleep. And episode mm-hmm. two, when we talked about testosterone, we talked about that. Oh, the other thing that I didn't mention is fat. The importance of fat for hormones, mm-hmm. men and women consuming adequate fat mm-hmm. for your hormones, testosterone, estrogen, things like that. That's going to be important for your recovery. Um, but then back to the sleep thing. So the sleep, we talked about this in episode two with testosterone and hormones. Uh, sleep is super important for recovery. If you're not sleeping enough, you need to come up with strategies to get at least seven, eight hours of sleep. And Nicole, you want to run through those strategies? I've been doing a lot of talking here. <laughs> From, a sleep, From a sleep standpoint, you want to make sure that your sleep hygiene is on point. So each night that you go to bed at the same time, that you fall asleep adequately, that you stay asleep, stay asleep throughout the night and that you're getting, you know, that general seven to nine hours of sleep each night. And if you're not, some of the things that we can do, exposure to light, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, reducing your exposure to light, turning off the computer, the TV, the phone at a certain time, maybe meditation before you fall asleep, dimming the blue light on your, Mm -hmm. on your phone, uh, you know, meditation strategies. If you're stressed out and you feel like your brain's constantly running before you go to bed, I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't realize is that recovery. And this this is why I want to really touch up deeper on this is that oftentimes people don't understand that recovery is the, that's where you're building. You're yeah. not building when you're working out. You're breaking well, no, down you're when you're working down. out, right? Yeah. So the recovery is more important than the training itself. Not yeah. saying slack on the training, but what I'm saying is if you're training and you're not recovering, you're not getting anywhere. You're going to hit yeah. that wall and plateau real quick. Well, even then, for, on top of sleep, you could say rest days, which is a huge piece to this too. Like, yes, you need to get adequate sleep, but you also need to have adequate rest days where you aren't lifting. And too many people kind of go, all the way to the extreme and are crushing body parts every day with no rest days, or they are only working out one day a week and they're not crushing anything and they're not getting anywhere. So it goes back to kind of that middle ground and that sweet spot, but even sleep. The other thing with sleep is like hot tea before you go to bed, even carbohydrates before you go to bed is a great way to keep you asleep throughout the night. I talk about that all the time for myself, a hot bath, a hot shower, whatever it is for you that calms you down enough to get you to fall asleep, stay asleep and get adequate sleep throughout a week, especially when you start to get into more intermediate advanced type training. From a sleep perspective, if you're having really having trouble with it, you know, just like we talked about in episode two, and you can reference that and listen back to that episode. But we talked a lot. We talk a lot about 5-HTP, 5-hydroxytryptophan, uh, which, you know, there's a conversion process that helps your body to produce more melatonin. You can mm-hmm. supplement with melatonin. I say with melatonin, you know, supplement anywhere from one to three months of melatonin, mm-hmm. not to take any more than like also one to three milligrams. Um, you know, people that take things like 10 milligrams of uh, melatonin when, you know, the average person produces only like 300 micrograms. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout the course of the day. And then, you know, things like tryptophan that might help you fall asleep. But, and those, those are things that are aids 
right? Mm -hmm. That are, that are supplemental aids that you can use while you're focusing on your sleep hygiene and getting that down. And then eventually you'll want to wean yourself off of those supplements Mm -hmm. and and just get, and keep that normal rhythm, that circadian rhythm. Um, But yeah, the recovery thing back to that with the workouts, you know, you see the people that are just like, man, I'm I'm on a roll. Like I'm going to six days a week. I'm going to work out seven days a week. I'm going to work out every day. Right. And then we talk about things like active recovery. Like I have clients that are just like, yeah. I, you know, some people just are, they get in a groove and they're like, I need to work out every day. And I'm like, all right, cool. Do some active recovery where it's not strenuous. You're not mm-hmm. breaking down muscle tissue. Maybe you're doing yoga. Maybe mm-hmm. you're doing, maybe you're walking. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're doing a light jog. It can't be something that's constantly stressing out your body because if you're constantly stressing out your body, you're not recovering. Yep, exactly. And the biggest thing, you know, to realize we got to go back to time, consistency and patience. Mm -hmm. Building muscle, building strength is going to take a lot longer than losing body fat. Mm -hmm. If you think that losing body fat is taking you forever and it's it's it and that it's not that way. Mm -hmm then you're doing something wrong in your fat loss plan because fat loss, if done correctly, really doesn't or shouldn't take that long. Yep. Long you've got all the pieces to the puzzle there. And with strength training, you just have to be patient and you have to be prepared to play the long game. Yeah. And it's something that you should be doing from now on. Yeah. Strength training isn't like, I'm just going to do this for a couple of years and then do something else. It's from now on. Well, if you've done it for a couple of years, you're doing it. Yeah. That's it. But you know what I mean? Yeah. So strength training 101, if you have any questions about programming, exercise progression, where you are, where you should start, feel free to DM us at Eat Right Nutrition on Instagram. That's E-A-T-R-I-T-E Nutrition. And ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars and comment, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week. Bye.